So the topic of this evening's Dharma talk was meant to be more clear than it's probably going to sound. Even Chiazan misunderstood it and thought I was making a comment on his heritage. Right? It's don't, don't Polish confusion. Don't Polish it. I asked that knowing full well that they are, but I still went to the dictionary. Just on the chance there's some other vowel in there I missed. So the idea with that is just a title that may or may not work. Probably is more than likely there's some better ones. But the idea there is when a confusion arises here with you, or when a confusion arises in your environment, and in particular when it when it arises in someone you're you're interacting with, or don't fix it, don't don't dress it up, don't polish it, don't don't correct when someone is misunderstanding what you're saying, and you can see that, leave it at that. Don't necessarily correct people based on your perception. I'm not saying at some point you might. You shouldn't do it unless you really have to. You should allow there to be some space there so that that person himself can possibly see that. If you're immediately, you know, kind of gossiping with them about the whole thing based on your wish or your desire that they understand every word said, copy? Yeah, I copy. What did I say? Paraphrase what I said. You know how that all goes, especially if those of you are in a relationship. Not that I have that experience. So I'm not saying that it isn't important to try to attempt to understand what someone is saying, what someone is trying to convey to you, but uh, slow down a little bit. Uh, allow the person, uh, confusion and uh, awakening or confusion and clarity are not separate. They get their meanings from each other. You can't have confusion without clarity. You can't have clarity without confusion. The way in which they work together uh, using those conceptual pointers uh, needs to arise in your consciousness so that you understand it beyond the concepts that are being used. Don't, don't cling to your tools just because you're a carpenter. Don't take your hammer to bed with you. Is that funny? <laughs> Probably because the word hammer implies something else that I don't know about. I just, just imagine a claw hammer on my pillow. Oh. There again, that image may, may or may not work. <laughs> Forget it if it doesn't. But it's the idea. What 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 is, inspires uh, me to talk about that is is a, you could actually, when someone is talking with you and you can see they're not exactly understanding what you're saying, you can you can wait a little bit, and maybe they could maybe they might come back and say, "So I'm not sure if I'm understanding you there." And they might have commented that shows to you that they're not really getting what you said. You can wait a little bit. Trust their intelligence. You're not necessarily the smartest person in the room. And in the same way, your own confusion when you're if you're doing sitting meditation, or if you're at work, or in your with your family, or with your uh, coworkers uh, out to the mall, or wherever you might be, and you and there's confusion, you can stop and just just wait, wait a little bit. Allow a trunk for trunk for Rinpoche. One of the first teachings I heard from him is give a little bit of space. And I, I thought, what does that mean? Just exactly that, it means space. And you don't have to fill up everything with your commentary. Jason. Um, 
through communicating with somebody and there's clearly a misunderstanding of what you may have meant by what you say and our impulse to maybe immediately clarify because of our own discomfort. Does that discomfort become any more comfortable as we practice not immediately correcting or polishing that misunderstanding? Good question. Could it could become more difficult because there's kind of a, a nagging feeling that you want to you know that they're they're not getting it. They're not getting it. They're not they're not coming back and like Sokazan said, uh, correcting themselves or something. Not, they're not elaborating on it. You could actually just let it go. But it's very interesting to look at our own motivation. Our motivation behind that isn't so much to really necessarily maybe necessarily help that person. It's that it's about us. We don't want to be misunderstood. So it's a very it's a very subtle form of narcissism, self-centeredness. Everything, according to the Yogacara teachings and the, the seventh consciousness, which is the, the paranoid mind, the ego mind, the klesha mind, that everything tends to be about us in some way, about how we're doing, are we being understood? Do they like us? Um, wondering if the opposite is true. I often feel that it's my ego or self-centeredness that, want, that doesn't want to be able to understand them. Could, um, is that true for the opposite when I'm focused and I want more? Um, same thing. Same thing. Yeah, very good question. Thank you. Very good question because you're, when it happens to you, it's, it's the same thing. Hang out with your confusion. Rather than try to get rid of it, cover it up, solve the problem. That's, uh, that's very good. Have a willingness. Uh, if you have difficulty practicing that, you could uh, uh, include the other five sense consciousnesses other than the mind that is kind of freaking out because something's not understood or you don't understand something. Understanding uh, in a a relative sense uh, can show up lots of different ways. Just understanding that you're not clear is is a kind of clarity. Maybe maybe the best one, maybe the one that you perhaps need to actually be with for a while so you can see how that opens up. That could be, as we say, a Dharma gate for you. So the rush to fill up the space of confusion or readjust everything so uh, we're no longer confused. That would be very similar, didn't you? Why the relative understanding between two less important than the space that's happening in? I wouldn't necessarily say it's less important. Uh, it's, it's just that it, it, it's just part of the whole thing that we tend to flood with our, with our anxiety or with our distress or with our commentary that they're not understanding me, I need to explain this more, or that that I'm confused, I don't understand what they're, they're saying. So you could actually, when someone says something, you're not really sure about what they're saying, you could wait a little bit and just listen to allow their words to go back and forth, maybe in your consciousness. You could look at their body language. Sometimes there's more being communicated by someone's, when I say language, I don't mean it's in terms of things to analyze. It's just... How a person appears. Yeah. When that impulse comes from when that it feels mm-hmm. like understanding is necessary or important, mm-hmm. what are we missing by looking for? We're, we're turning away from uh, the confusion and we're trying to shut down on, on the very thing that we're not clear about. And the idea there is to stay with that for a while till you, till you begin to see some of that clarity. There's another word for this. You know what it is? Patience. We're so impatient with our mind, we're so impatient with so many things. We, we want results. We want to clear it up now rather than, than we, it's like wanting the weather to change now. So a very similar kind of, our state of mind can be 
see you in the same way. So. You have uh, discussion, yes. and it happens to me that's when you are trying to get them to understand you. So yes. Is that feeling that you feel of wanting, is that something that comes out of ego yes. all the time, or is it necessarily, could it come out of compassion because and, they're taking and it the wrong way and they're fishy. getting feeling dirt? That's very fishy. It's ego. It's self-centeredness. Compassion doesn't have a compassionator. There's nobody behind you. If it's actual compassion, you want to even know you're being compassionate. You can't get a, a little, um, little tiny merit badge for that. In other words, you won't necessarily feel like, oh, I'm doing so well. Actual compassion, maybe closer to compassion to just sit there and be confused, not try to be better than you already are, to be someone else who is no longer confused. Compassion starts up right here. If it's not working this way, it's not going to work that way. I'm not saying you can't be kind to people, but that's not exactly compassion. I would call that, let's see, being kind to people. Something you can actually do. You can, that's something you can do. And and if, if people don't, don't understand uh, the, the quality of uh, compassion, karuna, the Western word is uh, agape. Well, it's not, really a, it's not really something you do. It's something you are. And if you are that, you can't see yourself. Wherever you are, if you're seeing yourself, then that's projection. And so you would just sit, and it's not that you wouldn't at some point start going the other direction, but you could wait a little bit. And if you're talking to someone, you're look, looking into their eyes, not, not trying to make them nervous or one-up them, like I'm so present and you're full of it. I'm not saying that. I'm saying just be there. You could actually be a little bit helpless for if they say, are you all right? Say, okay. But not go into some kind of, I, I got it, I don't, I don't have it, and so on. Just your presence this is not a compliment, but your presence, I can say this to anyone, your presence is much more important than who is being present. There is no who. There's just presence. It doesn't belong to anyone. But if you're in a situation where you're starting to panic about what someone thinks about you or what you think about your understanding or what they think about your lack of understanding, what they're trying to understand, and all that rigmarole that goes on, you see it everywhere. And they, the, on the news, they will not let go of it. It's just a constant torture rack. And so but you could just sit there, you could hold your seat, you could, you could be not particularly trying to get trippy about it or, you know, all romantic, but you could feel the air in the room. You could look at the colors that are that are on the floor, on the wall. You could look at the color of the person's uh, eyes. You could look at the, might be some, someone you're with all the time, but you could actually register the, their presence, you know, their physical presence, and that's the, how you have access to their spiritual presence. Um, how about being a Sarah asked, um, leads me to a question, can compassion be taught, can kindness? I think, I think it's mainly taught by example, especially with little people, show them how to do that. I think it can to some extent, but compassion, I think it's something you have to discover by working with your own difficulty, negativity. If there's any warfare going on here, you've got you've to find that one first. You have to you have, to un you have to unload all those weapons that are hidden down here out of sight just in case you run into trouble and pop somebody. Shoto, is confusion present? What do you think? Well, confusion is a concept, and presence is a concept. You're pointing at something that is impossible to describe. You could say about confusion, you could say, well, it's spinning. Well, it's uh, like a chasing, chasing your tail, or it's not knowing which way to go. So there's that kind of thing. Yes? When you say compassion and compassion, yeah. is that true for a normal person? Compassion is. You're the English major. <laughs> <laughs> or majorette. Does, does confusion have a 
<laughs> I knew I was going to get stuck in my own fog. You could say that. You could say there's some kind of identity doing things. But but awakening or enlightenment, there's no, no one that happens to it. It's, it's the disappearance of the separation. So there's no one to claim it. You won't, if you awaken to this uh, rea to ultimate reality, you won't know it. You may notice that the confusion is not what it was before. You'll notice you're no longer interested in getting rid of anything. Tell them. Can you tell the difference between? I think it shows up differently for for each person, but I, I think that you're more likely to have a personal understanding of what what that question points to. It points to for everybody. You do a lot of sitting. Uh, sitting isn't going to do anything other than get you to practice holding still and watching. It isn't going to lead to anything. You're not particularly going to start to levitate. All I've had people say that they're levit levitating and leaving their bodies and turning into chickens. Oh, are you sharing? So I would say, addressing you personally, if I may, since it's your birthday, uh, I would say that in your situation, uh, it's probably going to be a, a lot more sitting meditation than you're doing. I haven't checked in with you lately to see how much that is, but I would think that's probably the area that needs to be stronger. And, it, and the, when I say it, it needs to be stronger, I'm saying when you do that, you're going to feel weaker. That's what it feels like to actually stretch and train the awareness. It feels like kind of like failure in some level. Good question. Further questions? Confusion lead, lead to hopeful. Confusion lead to hopeful, hopeful Um If you're lucky, keep coming. Okay, so when I say if you're lucky, I'm just saying that probably anyone who, I'm not saying you can't meditate a little bit and smooth things out and be basically doing a little bit better, but actually transcend to turn this into a spiritual path, it seems to go be necessary to go very, very deep. And uh, part of going very, very deep means you're probably going to uh, be looking at the confusion and looking at the confusion and not polishing it or polishing it. You're not going to scrub it down. You're not going to clean it up. You're not going to fix anything. You see the difficulty, and the longer you look at it, the more you're tempted to fix something or correct it or adjust it or reshape it or something. But the awareness practice is, is basically saying to you, just look, just look. And what this leads to is a kind of exhaustion. You call hopelessness. And when I say, if you're lucky, the reason I'm saying that, since the question came up, I can address it. I probably wouldn't give a talk on hopelessness. Have I given a talk on hopelessness? Maybe I should, because it's, it's as uh, Trungpa Rinpoche said, the path to liberation, the path to realization is one disappointment after another. So the final disappointment, the final hopelessness, which is ego is not going to witness its own enlightenment. It can't, because the very nature of ego is separation and, and self-centeredness, albeit somebody who's really nice, really helps everybody, puts everybody before themselves, but there's an interior, interior kind of identity there that wants credit for that. We all notice, uh, if you notice, if you do something to help somebody, uh, you kind of want them to know, you can go, oh, I do that. And then we'll talk, because I do it. That's how I know about it. I want to be, to be acknowledged. And the only way to deal with that is not to try to stop it, it's to go through it, to actually be that person that wants to be that person that's hopeless, be that person that's confused. That's why I say don't polish the confusion. That you're the Dharma gate or the way, the way to liberation is through, excuse me, is through the, the craziness, through that. I'm not saying you know, deliberately go crazy or something. I'm just saying when the negativity arises, 
see that as an opening for you to deepen your understanding and your, and your awareness. Because if you can make friends with this person, speaking of you, you won't have any enemies. Because this here's the enemy. Here's the problem. Here's the issue: the self-centered that wants things to be different than they are. Second noble truth of the Buddha. And if you if you can just see that deeply and see uh, as you go into that, you'll see there's no one that feels that way. The emotion doesn't go away. It's just that you you have a realization that there isn't anybody that's having that, but that feeling. Quite disappointing. So when I say hopeless, I'm not not saying you know you just never use that word again. You could use it when you use the word. You could just kind of understand how you're, you know, uh, you know, we're almost out of gas. I can hope we make it to the station. There's nothing wrong with that particularly. But kind of a hopeful situation is, uh, is, uh, goes towards what in Buddhism was called God realm, or polishing everything and fixing everything up. And you can get some duration of it. Some people who are very, very wealthy, very beautiful, very gifted, uh, have a lot of uh, great intelligence, uh, have the wonderful children and get lots of awards and sales from life, so to speak. We all know probably half a dozen of those. The other 750 billion are having different kinds of problems. Or is it 800 billion? 900 billion? Mm -hmm. uh, we know what people are doing if that's the case. This guy, kind of, yes. When you said um, the term you embrace in your spiritual path, and I was wondering if what that means to be deep on your spiritual path, and if you recognize it when you are? Probably not. It can be taught that way, but the understanding is so uh, subjective. So you just, it, it's, it kind of feels like you just keep repeating something without any payoff. Is that how it feels? No. We got another, <laughs> got another week to go, don't you? <laughs> imagine, how, imagine how I feel. <laughs> <laughs> assuming you'd like me to comment on it, is to see how shallow it is. It always works in contrast and polarity. So just see how you're just here in the room and you're looking at the wall and ho-hum. You know, nothing, nothing magical is happening. You don't feel like you're melting into the universe. Your knee hurts, your back hurts, your mind hurts, and it sucks. And it's another hour and a half before the bell on strikes the bell. <laughs> And what do I say? Stay there anyway. At some point, or points, or maybe it's not even a point, at some point, the boundary between post-meditation, your everyday life, and the meditation practice, that boundary dissolves. And you are, you're always present. And it's, there's no credential in it. So, so like someone, this is some kind of feeling you have where you're always present. Just, you might notice that you're never somewhere else. Yes, you can. How? Because there isn't anywhere else. There's nothing else, there isn't anywhere else, but you have to realize that, because if you don't, you're going to you're gonna think you're missing something. You're going to think. I was just noticing her gusho when she came in. Very nice, deep gusho. <laughs> so the contrast, we start to see the contrast there, and then we, the same thing with post-meditation meditation. We notice that they, they're not the same, but the, the boundary uh, disappeared. You know how, how it feels to sit here, how much difference there is between sitting here all day long and uh, going out working in the garden or going to uh, going to the farm or you know, doing something else. Like sitting here all day and working on windows are probably very similar. <laughs> so the boundaries starting to fade. <laughs> Cosmic joke. <laughs>
Show it over to you, Ben. Yes. What, is, what does unpolished confusion look like? It's just rough and ragged, and it doesn't seem to go away. And it doesn't, it's just kind of just irritating or, or makes one feel dizzy. And without a, without a, a spiritual path, you, you'll do something with that. You may not polish it, you may not try to clear it up or fix it, but you might want to cover it up. Drugs tend to cover that up temporarily. Um, you know, maybe you have some activity could be totally simple thing that you do, but you have to do a lot of it in order to keep away from that particular confusion. It might be golf, nothing wrong with golf, nothing wrong with any kind of sport, but, you know, any, any kind of activity, fishing or, um, you know, some kind of activity you find. That if you go do that, you, you kind of feel better. Uh, yes. What would be the identifying marks of confusion? Identifying marks? Yeah, how would you know if you're confused? Don't you know that you're confused? Am I confused? Yeah. <laughs> That's disappointing. There you have it. If, it. if it wasn't disappointing, then it wouldn't be exactly confusing. What would it be? Not disappointing. Would it be ego feeling enamored with it? It could be. You spend a lot of time spinning around by grasping at some kind of success feeling. So sometimes during book study, um, I feel confused. Yeah, me too. Um, but then there are other times that I feel like, oh, I get this. Is that the same thing? It sure is. That's the next question. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you if you can't ask it. No difference? Really? You seem different. Jushin, Sandokai. Isn't that the name of your room? Yeah. The quality of sameness and difference. It's the, the, what is the things that are different and the things that are the, are the same are, are equal. I mean, quality to them. So is it just in the uh, conceptual naming of things that the difference arises? It seems that the conceptual naming of things uh, is is the um, way we're trying to skirt the issue. We're trying to get out of the, not always, sometimes. What makes us feel like we have to get rid of if we don't feel that way about clarity? I just think that the, there's different ways of talking about it and, and there's different ways of experiencing both of those, clarity and confusion. I think it's uh, the, the confusion is more threatening to the, to the self-centeredness, and the self-centeredness likes clarity. It likes to be, I'm the one, might not be, it might be unspoken, but I'm the one who's clear. The, the issue or the problem with that kind of clarity is it's relative. It's a high level of relative truth to be very clear about things. To be very clear about your confusion is uh, clarity. To be very, be very confused about your uh, clarity is what? Yeah. 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 Buddhas are very clear about confusion. Sentient beings are very confused about clarity. Buddhas meaning the awakened ones, all 15 of them. How does clarity about? If you, if you see it all the way, if you see all of it, you see if you see it in totality, then it looks not separate. You can't find anything that, that is separate from you anywhere. You can't find an enemy. You can't find a friend. You can't find anything. You can't find anything else. There isn't anything else. Confusion about clarity, thinking that things are separate. What? Being confused about clarity is that positive of separation. Yes. Or if I'm clarity, is confusion is confusion there? Is confusion always with clarity? Yes. <clears throat> Shut up. How can you recognize you know what sanity is? You don't know what sanity is? I can tell you a couple of words. No more warfare. No more fighting against anything. Mm -hmm. We don't see that. How can you just keep looking at the warfare? Don't correct the warfare. Don't correct the confusion. 
just just look at it because if you do anything with it, it starts to spin and it draws you and yourself, your your, your self-centeredness, right into the into the tilt-a-whirl or the merry-go-round. It rotates and rotates. You come into the light and you go back into the darkness. Come into the light, like relative truth. Mm -hmm. Questions, especially from someone who hasn't had a question yet. Is it ever appropriate to polish our own? What I would say is what I think you're intending there is just to work with your own confusion in a way that you don't project it onto others. So I don't know if that's exactly polishing it. I think it might be more like a willingness to feel. You can't really refrain from projecting if you're trying to shut down on the feeling, because that just almost automatically turns into finger pointing. Either this, either you yourself or to someone else. They did it, they're, they're to blame, or I'm terrible, I'm to blame. I'm probably never gonna get over this. I'm just a terrible person. And so, uh, if you if you just uh, how the conventional way of saying uh, is uh, the ability to respond, it's called responsibility. It doesn't mean blame. It just means that you can actually whatever is occurring, you respond to it in a complete, open, and direct way. If you do that, then you you see you might not you might not use this word, but you you see you're not separate from it. It doesn't mean you're to blame for it. It doesn't mean that you get credit for the clarity or get the blame for the confusion. And so you could, you know, that might be happening on some kind of level. Uh, the way you ask the question, I would say that you're probably not polishing anything. If you're doing that, you're probably just uh, being responsible for your negative emotions rather than putting them out on somebody. If you really do that, you know, it's not that hard to just, um, it's not uh, fake or phony to be kind to someone that you're with, or even though you're having a tremendous amount of negativity happen, plenty of room for that. You got. You're not. You know. If you really are putting others before yourself, which on this path you should be, in some way, and that happens in different ways and different levels. Yeah. And so, if you're actually endeavoring to do that, then um, you, you. It's not like you're setting your negativity aside. You're including your negativity, but you're also including your uh, technical term in Sanskrit is uh, bodhicitta, or the mind awakening. You're actually living that. You're living in that, so that you're when you interact with others, they they may they may or may not perceive some negativity there. Depends on how present they are. If they're if you're actually doing that in such a way that you're a supportive of someone else in their whatever they're going through their difficulty, well, it depends on how close you are to that other person. If it's just a casual something that's fairly casual, it won't be noticed. But if it's someone that's very close, if it was somebody like in this. Humble residence and the Sangha probably going to show up more. You're just putting the other person, their welfare, their well-being, their happiness. You know, may all beings, uh, you know, uh, all uh, one of the one of the, the um, practices, and uh, I think it's the 37 practices of Bodhisattva. And I don't have it memorized by any means. Um, is is uh, all all uh, all uh, difficulty and failure to me, all praise and success and happiness to others. That doesn't work if you're in therapy. In therapy, they, they you know, they, they assume there's a, an ego that needs to be lifted up and supported. It's called the self-esteem. And I'm not here to correct anybody. We've got people in here that work with that situation all the time. Most people are not ready to do this kind of practice. So therefore, we need to meet them where they're at and help them where they're at. And they might need, they might need to work with their self-esteem. They might need some kind of support so that they can. They're not going to turn everybody into a meditator. It's very hard to do this practice as those of you who have been doing it know. 
But if you want to do this, then it's available. Any further? We're talking dealing with our own negativity, but there being space to be fun to other people. Yes. Um, when it, our own negativity feels consuming, where does that space come from? It's magic. It really is. It's ordinary magic. If you're really putting others first, it just starts to show up. It's just it's it's a it's an open dimension. There, there is no consciousness doesn't belong to anyone. When you realize this, you realize that your own self-centeredness, your ego, or that little dot of me, 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 it might be flipping around in there somewhere, but, but your mind is everywhere. The fancy word for that is Mahavipassana, or the great panoramic awareness. And you're not separate from that. You're not separate from it right now. Ego, when it start, that starts to open up, starts to panic. It gets agoraphobia, fear of open spaces, too much, too much space. Like, like you're when walking down a hallway, and you walk into an, aud an auditorium or a big hall, and everyone in there turns around and looks at you. And if you if you know who you are, you won't mind that a bit. If, if you don't know who this is, and you're, and you're worried about who this is, and you're worried about your value, you're probably going to be affected and affected a little bit. Even if you're a public speaker, we've practiced this, you're probably going to have a little bit. Of, whereas if you, if you know who you are, then you know who everyone else is. They're also not separate. So then probably what will arise is uh, humor, because you can feel the protections. It's like, you know, when somebody's looking at you, judging you, it's like you can feel the, feel the eye marks hitting you. You know about that. Right? Half the people probably are judging you because of their own confusion, their own disturbance about not being able to deal with their own self-criticism. Uh, so they want you to have something. Yes? When that utility, is there a way to see or create more spaciousness there to be found. I think just the way you're asking the question tells me you already understand what I'm saying. I just don't, it's a matter of repetition. Just continue to return to it. Return to the wall. You're a young woman. Return to the wall. Train your mind as much as you can. Find as much time as you can to sit down and do absolutely nothing, relatively nothing, but just watch what keep, continues to move. It generally, it can be your diaphragm. It can be your breath coming and going. It can be the birds in the making noises, it can be someone walking down the hallway, it can be someone in here uh, coughing, but it's also uh, watching your own mind. Uh, I like it, I don't like it, it's good, it's bad, it shouldn't be happening, I don't know what I'm going to do when this happens. It's the chatter that goes on, and just just observe that without shutting it down, polishing the confusion, without, without fluffing it up, justifying it, which is a sophisticated form of trying to elaborate and interpret it and kind of fix it up and dress it up so it doesn't look too bad lipstick on empty space and we're lipstick to you. So, so you got to let go. Yes. A question from Kevin Townley in Brooklyn, New York. Yes, Kevin Townley. Boy, that's a long one. I can hardly hear you, Kevin. I'll speak up. <laughs> Is that what he said? <laughs> no, I, I, I couldn't imagine what he would say. <laughs> he would probably try to explain to me how that, that was doesn't make any difference because we're using yeah. uh, modern technology. And he's very clever. I he's extremely ever. clever. Yeah. He, should, yeah. he should come here sometime so we can give him a hard time. He asks, is intervening when we perceive harm being done the same as going to war? So, um, as just as a flat question, um, less is better. Or probably, sh probably shouldn't intervene. On the other hand, <clears throat> if you're there and you're present, then you're... you're, you're you're not operating out of uh, uh, hope and fear, or at least a low level of it. Then, you know, you may you may function to go in step. The the confusion started, you know, 
thousand years ago, and it just shows up all over the place. So you, it isn't like you're perpetuating uh, aggression by going in and disarming somebody. You know, if you're in that situation, that you're there, that's happening, this is happening, someone is hurting someone else, which is, I, I presume, what uh, Kevin is referring to, um, and you're there, and you have hands, and you have a voice, uh, trust yourself, help. I mean, that's like when you, if you look at that video, which I'm sure before uh, the four-year anniversary of Eric Garner being taken down, it's heartbreaking to watch that. It's just, it's difficult to watch that uh, um, um, black man four years ago being taken down by police and somebody actually sitting on his neck, so he suffocated. He said, I think he said, I can't breathe 12 times before he died. And they, they haven't done anything to the officer. So if you saw that happening, uh, you know, you might, might have to do, I mean, if you were there, you, you might you might have to do something about it rather than say, I'm just, lecture yourself, I'm just a bystander, I'm gonna stay out, I don't wanna mess with the police. That was, uh, has everyone seen that video? It's been on quite a bit lately. Eric Garner is, uh, he, he was there, he was trying to break, break up a, uh, an argument between two other people, and that's how he got the attention that came to him. He was trying to help somebody. They killed him. Yes. Um, the state tell has a question from Bellevue. Um, she, actually it's two parts. If I've been confused about what to do and haven't acted, where does the confusion go when I suddenly know what to do? Is it actually gone? No. Not the confusion. You don't have to get rid of anything. The confusion. If you're if you're clear, you're you're clear about confusion. So the confusion can still be confusing, but you're clear about it. So therefore, the clarity is going in all directions, and, and you're including everything. I, I often say, don't conclude. Include. Don't conclude anything. If you the minute you say, second hour, day, year, lifetime, you say. Uh, I should, or I shouldn't. You, you, you might as well just put a hood over your, covered up your eyes. It needs to. You need to function out of the awareness. In that way, there won't be a should or a shouldn't there at all. That's that's difficult for, uh, for us as self-centered ego of mind. The conventional way of functioning is to say, well, should you do that or shouldn't you, and then evaluate it and think, what are the, what's the downside, what's the upside, all in terms of some kind of relative construct we call us in our life and our so David? What is uh, courage in confusion? So the word courage, bravery, um, I, I, I'd say it, just a willingness to be with whatever happens. But it's a, the, uh, there's a, a little kind of invented mantra, I don't know who made it up, somebody recently that some, uh, I know Shoka's done quite a few of these. Uh, Thank you very much, you have no complaints whatsoever. And it's a way of just kind of going through and even though you have all kinds of complaints and you're upset and things are not going well, and you know, you're gonna turn that around and go the other direction. Uh, you're gonna put others before yourself, or you, you put yourself. So I think it's just a willingness to to go through through into the confusion, not, not aggressively, not, you know, charging in, but just a, a willingness to, to go into that situation. Yes? So is the, the including part of that, or is that courage including itself? Um, it could be. It's hard to, it's this. So, so that quality, I think, is showing up there. 
it's it's more of a feeling from the point of view of self-centeredness or ego. You kind of starve the ego because ego wants results. And if you don't feel like you're getting anywhere, you understand that you're still functioning. You're functioning out of your understanding, which are not thoughts. Understanding doesn't might manifest in thoughts or concepts at some point, but probably not right at that moment. Won't necessarily be thinking. So without the um, including, it's just this opening. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, continuous opening sounds a little bit like a project. Uh, if you're going to do that, then you, you might as well just do the mantra, continuously open, continuously open. Mm -hmm. Something about that is it's too, much, too much trying to be somebody else. It, it's more about seeing how you're not open. I actually have to see the negativity of the situation. The Buddha didn't awaken to uh, fairy tales and... Um, jumped over the moon. The Buddha awoke to intense suffering and difficulty, not only in himself, but everywhere he looked. He saw it. And this, that was his awakening. He went deeply down into that and had some kind of a breakthrough, it sounds like, apparently, where he saw that all, all the separated uh, uh, sickness, aging, and death that he saw, separated situations that was so terrifying to him. Suddenly, he saw that that he was not separate from any of that, and and any of that, none of that is separate from anything else. And so he he transcended his consciousness, transcended the separation, and when it did that, it 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 it's nothing to include because it's anything separate. But you could say that it, it just stopped uh, stopped excluding everything. So he's not here; we can't talk to him. But the way these teachings come down, without someone who really saw this whole situation deeply. We wouldn't be able to work with this material the way we do. So is, is, is it, you know, it's, we're not putting the words exactly, but is it more like a pile? Uh, like a pile in the eye? Like a big pile. I mean. <laughs> when you keep including. Oh, no, it's not like a pile. No. No, it's just wherever you look, that's it. It's not a bunch of stuff. You're looking here, you see what is real. You look here, there isn't anything you're not seeing. You're seeing uh, the Pleiades. You're seeing the center of the earth. Of course, not physically, not with physical eyes, but we're talking about uh, spiritual eye or consciousness. Well, crickets. Oh, that's probably ten of this. That's what I'm listening to. I just realized I haven't had any of that in a while. Is that the celery juice? <laughs> further, further questions? Time for one more. Yes, sir. So the, uh, the worker is always there. Well, it ebbs and flows, but, but the uh, important thing from the point of view of, of awareness practice or of this path is to uh, don't do anything with it, but just be aware of it. And so it may get larger, it may get smaller. Uh, draw no credential from it. When it starts to get smaller, don't add on to that, which is passion, one of the three poisons, that maybe I'm doing better, it's starting to go away. And when it gets larger, don't add on to that. I'm doing worse, it's getting bigger, I must be doing something wrong. All of that causes a circularity to happen. The, the, the word for that in uh, Sanskrit word is samsara, or the wheel of life and death. And that's happening on all relative planes. It's up and down. It, it's, it, it actually ignores the very um, lack of separation because it picks and chooses. I, I like it when it's not so confused, and I hate it when it's really confused. So does that mean that even one still Yes, they could have. They may or they may not. It won't matter, and they won't care because they they're not ignoring anything anymore. 
So confusion comes up to uh, Maitreya or, uh, or even the historical, but if some, some comes up, it's, it's, there's, there's no problem there. It's just, just energy coming and going. And you can't, you can't make this happen because it's already the case. You have to, you're, as I sometimes say, your grandfather did and your grandmother did. When you realize that, you realize you've always known this. So don't give up. Don't stop. Don't quit. Keep going. Sit a lot. Train your mind. Find out who you are. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I know what to do. This is the monastery. Yes? Does our endeavoring to put others before ourselves fall short of actually putting them? With you, it would. <laughs> <laughs> No, not, not necessarily. Well, I mean, it, it varies. You know, that we're, sometimes we, I would say, don't do too much evaluating there. Just, just give in. Just as has uh, been said, just give an inch. When you see that you're starting to tighten down in your territory, give, give, give in a little bit. Allow someone else to be right. Allow someone else to have their way or ha have things their way. Just a little, little bit of a movement there. Won't, won't solve it in a relative context, but if you're also training your mind at the same time, then that relativity, that relative kind of thing, uh, like in Kuan Lin practice, sending and receiving and sending while following a breath, or Maitri Bhavana, the practice we do where we put everybody before ourselves in a you know, kind of a ritualized um, chant or song. Thank you very much. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes we have in the hallway. Also, we received, in addition to cash, checks can be mailed to the monastery at 33 Anderson Court, Battle Creek, Michigan, 49017. We also accept credit and debit cards and PayPal. Please help us. May we bear this country to all places so that we in every sentence.